Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Can everyone hear me? That's uh, virtual. I'm seeing yes. yes, okay. Uh, thanks for everyone being here this afternoon. Um, hope everyone made it through last night okay. Um, just um, this is our first meeting of the year, and we're actually supposed to meet at least once a year per the bylaws um, that Kimberly French sent out for a reminder a week or so ago. So hopefully everyone has looked at those that's on the board. Um, just real quick, um, I'm Brian Jimenez. I am Code Official Assistant Director with Planning and Development Services. Assisting us today is Kyle Kobe. Uh, he's a planner too in our department. And then also uh, Adrian Jones, our senior plans examiner, will pre uh, pre uh, presenting the, uh, the appeal process on agenda item number three. Um, we have 11 board members, if, if you don't recall, and we need six for a quorum. And I'm pretty sure we got four in the uh, uh, city commission room and we have enough on virtual to, to have the meeting today. So we'll, we'll move on. First item up is um, attendance. So I'll do a roll call to make sure um, we can record who's here and who's not. Um, board member Balot. Board member Blanchard. Here. Board member, member Brunin. Here. Board member Berger. Board member Delfelder. Here. Board member Hoppy. Here. Board member Reardon. Here. Board member Shockey. Board member Scott. Here. Board member White. Here. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, so I'll just go over a few housekeeping items um, first to remind everyone um, since this board only meets typically when we have a need to, um, so we need to get some refreshers here. This won't take that long. Um, for those that are on virtual Zoom, um, we ask that you mute yourself when you're not speaking. Um, we'd like you to keep your cameras on if possible. When you do speak, unmute yourself and say your name each time that you speak so that we know who is uh, providing comment. Um, this meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Um, so just remember to mute yourself when you're not talking. That way we don't have any background noise and everyone can hear fine. Any questions on the protocol on that? Okay, thank you. So the first thing we're going to do on item one of the agenda um, is we're briefly going to go over some of the bylaws of the board. Um, just to remind people, I'm not going to go through each section and, and bore you on that. Um, I do encourage you, if you haven't looked at that, to look at that at your convenience to um, make sure that you are uh, up to date on that. Um, but basically, section two, uh, the purpose is you are the you are the appeal board to to determine whether appeals that are brought before you are interpreted correctly by the city staff that has issued a uh, a code um, decision based on numerous things that can be electrical, mechanical, plumbing, structural. Um, it's also important to note that this board also hears appeals of the city's property maintenance code, also the city's long-term and short-term rental licensing ordinances. That might be far and few between, but I wanted to highlight that you're also the board to hear any appeal on those three codes that are involved typically with your building construction. 
Our Article 2 on Section 1, that just basically tells us that we should have no more than 11 voting members, and then it lists which type of member we should have, and our board fulfills that currently right now. Um, section 5 talks about the staggering of terms. Um, when a term is expired, uh, we will notify, or about to expire, we notify the city manager's office and then the city commission, or, or, or specifically the mayor, will start the appointment process um, to fill those empty seats. As I mentioned earlier, we are required to meet once a year. At that time, we are required to nominate a uh, chair and a vice chair. So here in a few minutes, we will do that process of election. Um, I think Mark Stogsdale was our chair last year and he's no longer on the board. Um, so we will start that process over today. The chair will obviously run the meetings in the absence of the chair, the vice chair will take over. And then I believe if both people are gone from a meeting, we will appoint someone in their, in their absence. Um, we have a liaison, um, typically in the previous, I think that's been Adrian Jones. Um, we'll, we'll stay with Adrian in that capacity. Um, he'll be our lead liaison between you and, and the city staff. And then briefly talk about attendance. Um, section two talks about having two or more excused absences or four or more absences for any reason during one calendar year. Um, so we, 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 want, we want the attendance at, at all possible. I know everyone's busy, but typically we meet one to two times a year. So we, we try to give everyone plenty of notice and, uh, and give many options where we can try to get at least, um, you know, a form here or, or in, in the best case scenario, everyone attends. Last couple things I want to talk about in the bylaws is the open meetings and records requests. When you were assigned to the board, you should have had a um, city manager's office should have sent out some um, open records and open meetings um, criteria. Um, basically, when you start meeting with more than one person um, without the notice of the board, we can run in some open records, open meeting violations of the Kansas um, statutes. So be aware of that. And if anyone needs that document, just let us know by email and we'll send that back out. And the last thing I want to talk about is quickly is conflict of interest. Um, if you have a conflict of interest on a, a matter on, on the agenda, um, the proper procedures to notify us and, and, and let us know either by email or phone call and tell us um, why you believe you have a conflict. If it's readily apparent, we will tell you that you are correct and, and you'll have to excuse yourself from any matter that you have the conflict of interest in. Um, since we're doing hybrid meetings from here on out, you will have the opportunity to be Zoom or in person. If you're in person, you have a conflict of interest, we will ask you to step out of the city commission room or whatever room we are in and step out until you hear, until that item is um, heard and, and finaled out, and then you can step back in. If you are on Zoom, we will ask you to disconnect and then we will notify you when you can reconnect via Zoom and, and, and follow up with the rest of the meeting. Um, two people have a conflict of interest today on the appeal. Um, Kevin Hoppe is here in attendance at City Commission. We will ask him to step out at that time. And John Delfelder is via Zoom. We will ask him to disconnect 
at that time. Is there any questions on that? That's a very quick overview of bylaws. I don't want to spend a ton of time on any of those. I think you all have probably looked at those at least once. And like I said, if there's any questions on that, feel free to contact me by email or phone and we can discuss that. Sometimes we have to confer with uh, the city attorney's office to get clarification on an item. So it may not be immediate response, but we'll try to get back to you within one or two business days on that. Okay, so the next step, any questions on that? I know I went over it pretty quick. This is Laura Blanchard. I did have a question on that. Um, I don't know if this is considered a conflict of interest or not, but Paul Warner is a client of mine. So I don't know if that I need to excuse myself. It's a good question. Um, Brian, I would actually have the same comment. And I had a second, um, the second item that I also wanted to mention that I did not believe it's a conflict, but our firm provided the structural de design of the building for renovation, I believe back in 2019. It was a previous phase, but it was on the second building. Okay. Well, I don't have the state statute right in front of me. We might be able to have to look that up. Brian, if I could say something. Um, you know, with this group of tradesmen and uh, designers, I think you're constantly run into that conflict. Uh, you know, if I have multiple clients, sure. I don't know, you know, when we put the forward, question forward or, or talk about it, would it be something where if a uh, board member did not particularly work on the project. I mean, that's just for or something like that. For yeah, without going into much detail, um, Member Blanchard, can you just expand on that a little bit for us? Um, I've just worked with Paul on previous projects, and I don't think we have any active projects under design currently. Um, but we, I have not worked on this project. Okay, I think that I think that's good clarification. I know with other members that have notified us of conflict um, without going into much detail it's specifically to this project okay and then would you like to expand that Bruno? yes uh, i would add that we do currently have multiple projects active with paul warner's office we have not worked on this specific building with paul warner though okay Brian, if I may say, this is Warren White. Also, the same situation as everyone else. I, I did work with um, both the builder, the customer, and um, Paul Warner, all three. The way I look at it conflict-wise, this particular item we're dealing with has nothing to do with the rest of the work I'm doing on that building. So therefore, I'm looking at it like I do not have a conflict that maybe an attorney would say differently um exactly what was stated before i think everybody on here is going to have work with almost anybody that's ever going to have an issue on here in one way shape or another uh commission i mean excuse me member why i am um, i concur with that assessment it's really hard to to get every board member free of any type of um prior relationship with an appellant um i think at this point we will proceed um, I think if you do not have a direct connection with the project that we are here to discuss today on the appeal, um, I think we are good to go. Um, as always, we will confirm that 
um, at the conclusion of this meeting um, and go forward. Anyone else have any potential conflicts that they think they needed to um, advise us? Okay. Um, I'm new at this, and many of us are, so um, I think in the future when we have our next one, which we will, um, just try to let us know um, as soon as possible so you can give us an email and then we can we can dissect each each response and we can make sure we can get on the front end of this. So um, we learned that on this, so we'll, 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 we'll make sure that we ask you guys um, that type of question when we send out the agenda. Does that sound okay to everyone? Okay. Okay, we'll move on to um, item two of our regular agenda. Um, at this time, um, I will accept nominations for chair of the board, which will be a year appointment um, from this date moving forward. Um, and then we will need to see if we have any other nominations after that, and then we'll get a vote of board members um, to elect the chair and then we'll move on to the vice chair. So does anyone have a nomination for a chair for 22-2023? I think your guys' audio isn't working. I'm not hearing anything. And let me just say the bylaws say we have to have a chair and vice chair, so we can't move forward until we do. <laughs> I'll be the chair if no one else wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll nominate Eric. <laughs> There's a nomination. Okay, I have a nomination of uh, Commissioner Jade by Commissioner Scott. Do I have any seconds on that? Second. Okay. Seconded. Hoppy by uh, Board Member Hoppy. Okay, now we'll take uh, any other nominations for chair. Okay, now we will vote. Board member Blanchard. Yes. Member Brunin. Yes. Member Delfolder. Yes. Member Jay. Yes. Member Reardon. Yes. Member Scott? Yes. Member White? Yes. Okay, that motion passes 7-0 unanimously. Our, our, our chair for this next calendar, well, next year is board member Eric, excuse me, Kevin Hoppe. Oh, no, no. Eric. Eric. Eric Jay, excuse me, <laughs> apologize. Everyone's behind me, I'm getting <laughs> sort of odd. Okay, so, Brian, Brian, this is Alan Balot. Yeah. Um, I noticed that I didn't have my video or audio on, so I am present and I would concur with that vote. 
Okay, let the records show. Member Balot is in attendance. The vote passes 8-0. And we'll move on to vice chair. Do I have a motion for vice chair for this next year? So I would volunteer to do that. I'll second. Okay. Um, there's a self-nomination by. No, it's not working. Uh, you would have to. I'll, right. I'll nominate Sarah okay. Jane Scott. Yeah. I'll second that. Okay. So, not uh, nominated by Member Jay. Who seconded by? Balot. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there any other nominations for Vice Chair? Okay, I remind you that you need to say your name um, when you speak um, with, to make sure everyone knows who you are. Okay, do I have any other nominations for vice chair? Hearing that there are none, we will take a vote on electing board member Scott as vice chair. Member Blot? Aye. Member Blanchard? Aye. Member Brunin? Aye. Member Delfolder? Aye. Member Hoppy? Aye. Member Jay? Aye. Member Reardon? Aye. <clears throat> Excuse me. Aye. Member White? Aye. Okay, that motion passes unanimously as well, eight to zero. So the chair and the vice chair have been elected and they will now lead the future meetings if we have any for the next um, next time we do this okay any questions about that process okay now we'll move on to our main reason why we're here is to conduct an appeal hearing for the property owner's representative for the property located at 728 massachusetts also known as logies regarding the denial of the code modification request uh, for section 1030.1 of the city's adopted international building code, also known as the IBC and the amendments thereto. Um, your action today, after you hear from city staff and the appellant or any other public comment is to determine basically if the city correctly interpreted and applied the code in this case. Um, the, the board cannot change the code, cannot circumvent the code. Basically the code that's the codes that were cited, you, you need to make a determination if we accurately interpreted and applied the code to this case. Um, before I turn it over to Adrian Jones, you have a you have a staff report, you have a code modification denial letter, you have the applicant's request for the modification. Um, you have some exhibits from the applicant which includes some pictures and sketches as well. At this time, I'll turn it over to Senior Plans Examiner Adrian Jones for his presentation. The way this will work is staff will present. If you have any clarification questions, you are feel, you're, you're free to ask Adrian that. At the conclusion, when you have no other questions for Adrian, we will let the appellant speak and present their uh, documents to you. And then when that is over, you will then as a group discuss among yourselves. And then at some point you will make a 
the chair will lead the discussion about making a um, vote on whether the city, uh, whether the city staff um, correctly interpreted the code or not. That's in question. Any questions about that process? Okay, thank you very much. I have a question. Let me see. This is Alan Balot. Thanks, Alan. Uh, can Alan. you see me? <laughs> I can't. I can hear you. We can't see you. Okay. Heck, you don't need to see me. Um, I, you say that we have we we can't modify the code. We can only decide whether staff interpreted the code correctly or they interpreted interpreted it incorrectly. But yet a citizen can come in and ask for a modification of the code. I'm unclear on those two items. Let me speak to that. Well, uh, I'm, uh, my name is Adrian Jones. I'll, I'll address that, Alan, in, in the presentation, okay? Um, okay? My name is Adrian Jones. I'm the Senior Plans Examiner for the City of Lawrence. Um, I was part of the plan review staff along with Chief King and uh, Captain Fussell that reviewed the plans for this particular project. I've, um, I've acted as an uh, ex-officio member for different code boards since uh, uh, since 1995, I've, I've served in those roles. So, and it's always been a pleasure uh, working with the boards. Uh, this is kind of odd, kind of being half remote, half here, but uh, hope, hopefully one day we can all get together soon. And uh, I think this code appeal process is a fair process um uh for the uh regulating our city codes and we encourage any applicant or uh building permit applicant that as a final uh issue to get these resolved that we do go through this process and it's been very uh it's worked very well over the years so i am going to do a short presentation you all uh you have you have your documents and you've read those in depth i don't think it's necessary for me to go through and read read those all over again. So I'm going to give a short presentation. Um, I'm going to tell how we got here. I'm going to talk about some of the codes that are relate, related to this particular project, this particular issue. Um, I am going to uh, give our reasons for denial. And then I have, and then I'm going to uh, make some counter arguments to the reasoning beside, behind the, uh, for the code modification request from the applicant. So how do, how do we get here? Um, April April 13th, uh, Paul Warner's office submitted a building permit, permit application to remodel Logie's, a downtown restaurant and office building. Um, the, the scope of the work for that project was to uh, provide an occupied roof on the second floor. It was to um, reconfigure some office spaces and it was to turn one of the businesses on the second floor to a second floor apartment. Um, <clears throat> the, when they turned in the application, we the initial round of reviews, we reviewed that and we both plan, both building safety plan review staff and fire prevention plan review staff identified a code uh, violation uh, with the what we call the emergency e egress and escape window in the, in the bedroom apartment. The issue with that was that the code, strictly by the letter of the code, does not allow, does, there's a lot of requirements for the emergency escape and rescue openings. Height above fit, uh, finished floor, uh, uh, the size of the openings. But one of the main requirements, and I think one of the most important requirements, is that once you get out, once that person exits through that escape opening, it has to 
exit directly onto a, a public yard court or um, open to a public yard or court. So that person can escape and get immediately away from the building. That's the whole intent of that code. And so when we looked at the initial design of the building showed the, I'll just call it a bedroom, egress window. So the egress window coming out onto an uh, onto the occupied roof. And so that was identified immediately as a code violation. So we went through several rounds of reviews, um, and then we had plan review staff, fire and building safety staff met with the architect Paul Winter's office, um, and we also had we had emails back and forth, discussions back and forth, and we had actually had in-person meetings. And through those rounds of reviews, we worked out um, an alternate method, and that method, alternate method, was to allow a well, let me go. Let me start by uh, citing that code section. That code section, section 1031, 1030.1. And that code section required, I already decided that, that it specifically requires in the in the wording that that does open up to a public yard away. So it's an alternate design of the applicant proposed uh, providing a 42 foot high fence to separate the occupied roof from uh, the means of egress and that that space, what we uh, we loosely call an egress alley, led from the window to a two-hour exit enclosure. And it, it, the purpose of that was to the person who climb out that window go directly to an exit enclosure and out. So when we identified those two uh, and came up that with that revision, it was approved by the building safety uh, plan review staff and the fire plan review staff. And that was the, one of the final items to get that resolved to issue the permit. So it was approved as an object method from the, the direct strict letter of the code. So, so um, that's where we are. Um, that's how we got here. The, the applicant, uh, after the permit was issued, uh, they submitted a code modification request to basically eliminate that exit alley and go directly across the roof, directly across the occupied roof to the exit enclosure. So uh, we reviewed that we reviewed that code modification request and denied it. So here are some of the code requirements uh, that are associated with this particular situation. So the building code um, defines different uses in the building. Uh, by occupancy, occupancy group, or just call it uses. And there, there are 10 of them in the code. Uh, we're not gonna go through all 10, but uh, there are three that come into play for this particular project. One is group A. Uh, group A is assembly occupancy. They're typically, you got churches, you got, uh, well, stadiums, any places where a, a large number of groups, a large number of people gather. And those different assembly occupancies are broken down into five different categories. This particular occupancy that we're discussing today and that becomes part of this issue is what we call an A2 occupancy. An A2 occupancy is where it's a dining room where they typically serve food or drink and has a certain occupant load. So that, that's, that's one occupancy group we're dealing with. The group B occupancy of this building, it really does come into play. It's not under discussion. The group R occupancy, group R occupancies are identified as residential occupancies. You have single family homes, you have 
um, R3s or another, another group. You have R2s, uh, which are typically apartments. The particular occupancy we are addressing in this in this uh, code modification request is R3 occupancy. It's an apartment. Uh, I, I believe that we find this R2 R2. I have to look at the code now. about so R2. It, 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 it could be R2 or R3. It really doesn't matter because the issue is not with the particular occupancies. It's with the bedroom egress and uh, escape opening. So, um, also, I want to address um, the requirements for the code modification, the building code specifically. When you apply for a code modification, there are specific items in that code modification request that you have to meet. Um, and then uh, fourth, we'll we'll talk about the city's uh, planning review staff, building safety and fire uh, prevention staff reasons for denial. And finally, I will uh, address the code modification request and some of the particular reasoning in the code modification request that uh, building safety and fire prevention did didn't agree with. So. Um, we talked about the code. We talked about uh, 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 the. Oh, so we're talking talk about the requirements of the code modification request. When, when <coughs> there are four basic tenets to that, I guess you would say. One is that it requires that there must be practical difficulties in carrying out the uh, provisions of the code. Uh, practical difficulties will be something like a beam in the way or uh, an existing situation where you couldn't get clearance no matter how, you know, or a different thing. It's, it's uh, cost is not, a, is not a practical difficulty. Uh, and if it's as long as you can, and the building, the building official makes that determination. And then the building official needs to uh, find that there are special individual reasonings uh, that this this code modification request would meet. Uh, third, the modification must be the modification must in, uh, request must be in com in compliance and with the intent of the code. And uh, fourthly, the modification request cannot <clears throat> lessen the life, safety, and health of the building occupants. So those are the four main requirements for a, a code modification request. And the building, building code official and the building safety uh, staff, fire prevention staff, we all together got together and looked at looked at those, that code mo modification requirements and uh, based on the code modification request and, and denied those. So, um, so here are the reasons uh, for denial on this particular uh, this request, and they are contained in Brian's letter uh, uh, to staff. And you can follow through with that if you want to uh, follow through with that. But I'll just hit on the important parts. So, um, one of the reasons we deny that this is because the plans that were approved would not have been approved and were not approved as, as this modification request. Basically, what this modification request is, is saying is that they want to go back to what was originally submitted. 
without the, the safe unobstructed pathway um, to the egress opening. So that was one of the reasons we uh, denied it. It, it. You know, we had an agreement, we agreed on a approved set of plans. Now you build it, now you want to come back and, and uh, go back to what was previously and clearly denied. And it, as a matter of fact, that the way the plans were, it, it, they were denied outright initially because they didn't meet the intent or the letter of the building. Uh, the building official did not determine there was no practical difficulties in uh, constructing the project according to the approved plans. Uh, we looked over it, the, the applicant um, uh, made some reasoning and we, we uh, during the, the review process and uh, we looked at that and, and denied all of them. The modification as required was not in compliance with the intent of the code. Section 1030 is pretty clear, we feel, as a building official, we feel it's pretty clear. When you come out of that rescue, egress, and remember now, this is not only an egress funnel, but this is a rescue opening so that fire prevention staff can get in there and rescue people. And so having someone uh, go across a, a roof um, to an exit opening, uh, we think that that's directly opposite what the intent of the code is. The intent of the code is to get out, get out of that window and get away from the building. Going across a, and this is why I brought up the, the code requirement for A2. A2, once we determine the occupancy of that roof was an A2, we determined that to be A2. A2 can be a dance floor. A2 can be a dining room uh, where in this particular set, in this particular issue, the A2, we assigned an occupant load of, I believe, 90 for, the, for that, uh, that roof. And so uh, we don't believe that that would be unobstructed. It, you know, suppose we had an evening like last night. Uh, hopefully we'll have an, another one again. Uh, and that roof is occupied. And for some reason, uh, there's some type of fire or reason for an emergency. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to cross straight across from the window. I hope you all have the plans. I think we submitted uh, a set of plans uh, just a couple of days ago. So if you're looking at those plans, um, sure it's a shorter route, uh, but if you got to go through 90 people to get to it, we don't we don't feel like that's unobstructed and uh, clear and unobstructed path. Uh, fourthly, the modification does not alter, does not offer an alternative method. We feel that this is simply a requirement for a code waiver, which uh, we just we just don't feel like that's um, applicable or prudent or safe or it, it doesn't meet any. We're just not going to waive one of the most important code provisions in the building code between all the building, fire, electrical, plumbing. Uh, this is probably one of the most sacred code provisions, um, getting out of your bedroom window <clears throat> and getting away from the building. And so we strongly disagree with uh, uh, and would not allow that. Um, the fourth one is that the modification request, or the fifth one rather, is that the modification request does not uh, lessen the life safety and hazard to the building occupants. As a matter of fact, we feel that it is just the opposite. 
Um, so if you can imagine the situation, so you have a bedroom window egressing through an A2 occupancy, it would be no different because it's on the first floor, it's really no different in code language or code provisions if you had that bedroom window <clears throat> on the first floor open into a dining room or dance floor. I mean, it's it just doesn't, for that, that final point, it just doesn't meet the, the code requirements for the modification. So, and finally, um, oh, one other point. Uh, we did, during the uh, plan review staff, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up in this case. So, um, the reason we, we looked at the code modifications and uh, the code modification request has some reasoning. Uh, I want to address those before the uh, applicant can offer a rebuttal. Uh, one, of, one of the issues was, that was there was overhead lines. Um, we looked at that. If you look at the images that you were presented, those lines are not over the building, they're over the alley, from what I can see in the picture. Um, so that's, and, and also, if that was an issue, I'm going back to the first point I made, if that was an issue, it should have been addressed at plan review during the initial set of reviews, not at, in a code modification request after the, the project is under construction. The second point of reasoning for their code modification request is that um, they would need the cost associated, or I don't know if the cost or the, the execution of cutting a door into the uh, stair enclosure. Um, once again, going back to the point one, that was, during the initial round of reviews, that was a time to address that, not at this point when it's under construction. Um, and also, uh, also by that point, if the, if it's the cost and not the execution, as I mentioned earlier, cost is not considered a practical difficulty in meeting the code modification requirement. The main reason I feel their reasoning uh, for this code modification request is that they say that it is a shorter route from the window to the exit enclosure, as opposed to going around the circuitous route in the protected uh, unobstructed pathway to get to the opposite side of the stair enclosure. Well, if you do, if you apply that reasoning simply by measurement, yeah, it is, it is true uh, where it's a closer route. But what the applicant doesn't apply in his reasoning is the roof would be occupied. We, uh, during, the re during the research of this provision, uh, we came across a study, and I can't provide you very many uh, details on the study. It was something that's done in Europe, but I don't, I don't really doubt it. Um, and that was that for a single 36-inch door, um, how many people can you get out of that door in what time frame? The study showed that it would take, you get 40 persons a minute out of a door, single door. And you can you can egress more than, uh, it takes about two and a half minutes to get a hundred people out that door. Now, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of reluctant to uh, throw the, the worst case scenario in there, but it happens and we have to protect for it. I think all of you are aware of the the station fire and we're, we're People were 15 feet from that door, but they couldn't get out because it was packed, closed. And, and we know uh, there's all types of uh, studies to show people's uh, behavior during emergencies. So yes, it's closer, but that's if you're just going right out the door, no obstructions. You know, I think in, in the uh, 
in the proposal in the uh, modification request they said it was uh, I think it was 165 feet um, to get from the window around to the other side of the exit enclosure. I, I, I went outside this morning before I came to work, work it stepped off 165 feet it took me 27 seconds to walk it so as opposed to uh, you know 40 persons per minute I mean is there we just don't we we strongly disagree with their reasoning that it's a it's safer uh, because it's closer it, it just doesn't take into account the roof being occupied and I don't know if I mentioned earlier but the occupant loaded that roof is 90. Um, and the other point of reasoning is that um, I don't know if they actually put it in the code modification request but it was, it was brought up during the uh, discussion of the reconfiguration um, was that only the manager would only the manager or system manager would occupy that apartment and we that's been presented to the building safety department on a number of different occasions on a number of different projects and the answer to that question is always um, the building it, the codes are based on the building design not policies of the current owner or the future owners so we cannot apply code provisions based on uh, some it's based on building design not you know whether they're going to just lease it to the manager or, or lease it to uh, who else ever in the future so that's kind of where we we are our reasoning behind a denial um, and and just to basic sum it up um, we had an approved plan we had an agreed upon approved plan by the, the building owner the building safety staff fire prevention safety staff the architect's uh, office and we feel that it's not right, prudent, or code compliant at that at this point, specifically code compliant to go back and alter that design. And we are strongly against waiving the code uh, in this particular case. So that kind of sums it up. Um, if you have any questions, I'm going to be more than happy to answer them. If there's no questions for Adrian Jones, then we need to um, have the appellant now present the um, response to the city staff's reports and decisions. Can we ask questions of uh, Adrian later? Um, yes, you can. Okay. Alan, I'm sorry, Alan, did I address your the comment about the, can you repeat that question? I'm so sorry. Can I ask you questions later? No, I'm talking about previous that I was going to address. Oh, um, I'm still unclear because my impression was is that we cannot modify the code or we can't do anything but determine whether staff has has um, interpreted it correctly or made an error. Whereas somebody else, an outsider, could come in and make a request for a modification of the code. And then right. my my extension of that question is if the modification were successful. Does that modify the code for in perpetuity? No. Okay. Or is it just for that case. Last, last question for that case. It's just for that individual case. Okay. A modification request is a modification of the code. Say, for instance, in this particular case, uh, where the, the code requires a open directly onto a, a court, 
Mm -hmm. That is an alternate as opposed to waiving a code or coming up with another code provision. But no other code provision was provided. Okay. <laughs> okay. So wait a minute. I don't, I'm not still clear. If we were to grant a modification for this particular instance, it would be only for this particular instance and would not apply to future situations similar to this one. Yes, it says right there in the language of 104.11 is special cases for this particular instance. Okay, all right. So we're not modifying the text of the code by any action that we might take. Nope. Okay, that's all. Member Blanc, I could read the code section language out of the code if it would help you on your, your um, limitations of authority if you'd like me to do so. No, Brian, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. Is here? Yeah, there's Brian Jimenez with the city. Paul, are you ready to present? Uh, yes, thank you, Paul Warner, Paul Warner Architects. Um, I keep disagreeing with Adrian. It, it almost never happens. Um, I appreciate everybody getting together. I know this is a take some time. So um, I'm going to refer you. I hope everybody's read because I'm struggling a little bit. As I think Alan is as well with Brian's letter from February 28th um, when it mentions that we can appeal this decision. And one of the sentences, as he's pointing out, of the process for the appeal is that um, the articles do not fully apply, um, abbreviating, uh, or an equally good or better form of construction is proposed, which um, is the process we were heading down the path of this appeal, is that um, we, we do feel what we have proposed is the safest path um, to this exit stairway. Um, so it's a little different than the technical issues of these code sections that, that Adrian was referring to. So I will go through this first and then um, may chime in on um, one or two of the code sections as well. But I'm, I'm still proceeding under the idea that um, the board um, can approve what they feel is an equally good or um, better form of construction um, and comments I'm hoping our chief building inspector and meeting out on sites um, said at least to me that if this was approved that he wouldn't lose any sleep over it I certainly would never propose anything that I think is unsafe um, we do think this is the safest path of travel and um, let's look at the floor plan to make sure um, uh, proposed or whatever, the big one, but yeah. Okay. Can everybody see that? Nope. No. Nope. Oh, you gotta let me share a screen who has the... 
It should. Okay, now can you see it? We can see you now. Everybody got it. Uh, just to open the front door. So, the first part, I want to make sure everybody understands where this apartment is. And I understand Adrian's comments um, regarding that, uh, you know, maybe the city can't necessarily always guarantee who's going to live in this one bedroom apartment. It is meant for the manager. I understand their concern. But at the same token, it is just one unit. It is essentially attached to um, a bar below it, a bar next door, and it's sometimes a roof deck. So with all of the apartments available downtown, well, obviously at this moment, we couldn't guarantee it. We could make it a restriction if that uh, the board felt that was important um, to be required to somebody that is tied to Logies. But at the same token, it's not exactly the most desirable one bedroom apartment downtown. But having said all of that, by the entry door, what I want to make sure everybody is clear is that the first path of egress and the exit would be right out the front door and down the set of stairs to Massachusetts Street. The second part is south and then down the hallway and across the roof deck to the two-hour stair enclosure. Yeah. I would call it the third egress path would be this egress window that we're discussing. And I think it was probably on site where um, Brian's comments got hammered home a little bit more that reality is the egress path out of that window, however we take it, is going to the same stairway where the hallway is egressing the second exit out of that apartment. So we're getting to that stairway one way or the other in a variety of ways. Um, the stairway is clearly the safest path down to the alley. Um, no argument the power lines we can show you pictures we know what some of them look like in the alley maybe they were closer to the building than we expected um that was part of the reasoning for where all this came from but clearly a two-hour stairway enclosure all the way down to the alley to egress on at grade is the safest form of travel um Adrian, while we're there, I don't um, maybe we can come back to 1030.1. I didn't get anywhere. Um, this was all in the middle of COVID. I did meet with the fire department. I never got to meet with um, the building inspectors. Certainly, we like doing in-person stuff better than this. Um, but 1030.1 for a group R2 occupancy, and I don't want to put you on the spot, you can read it while we're sitting here. The emergency escape and rescue window for an apartment of an R2 occupancy with two means of egress. I don't, I'm not sure the egress window is even required. It, the, the statement, the exception allows group R2 occupancies located in stories with only one exit is where the emergency egress window is required. 
So I will continue and talk about a little bit about this, but as we um, move forward, and if it's something about maybe the board having to find that maybe there was a mistake made, I'm not sure the emergency egress window is even required. But continuing down this path, and you said it, I would agree with everything you said that the egress window, if that had to be used, it is about the immediate access to the quickest, safest location. Uh, let's look at that. And I guess what I don't understand is if, if this was an alternate method and an alternate method can be approved, it would seem like this alternate method could just as easily be approved. Um, the distance is so to check ourselves how we got here we hired a consultant that we luckily don't have to use very often um, cindy geyer she is a fire protection engineer consultant she was a fire person this is all she does is review uh, codes looks at this stuff and that's who we we had to look at this to see if we um we're missing something and and at the end of the day I feel that we were so as her code um, we didn't necessarily call it a code modification request at the first time we were just asking for a safer easier quicker path to the exact same spot that we were already getting to um, according to her letter, as she points out, we're about 48 feet away instead of 112 feet. So when you look at this diagram, we already have a gate to access the mechanical equipment that the path that somebody would have to take all around the perimeter, all along the alley, and into the stairway you're going to the exact same stairway. Um, before I forget, I will point out, I don't believe we ever use the word cost. This is never, this is not about the money. They have put a great deal of money into the building. Um, I will add it's obviously fully sprinkled, monitored fire alarm. It is a one hour rated floor ceiling roof assembly. The people leaving that apartment are walking across the exact same type of construction, whether they go this path or whether they take the path that we're asking you guys to approve. It's just 80 feet shorter, and it seems that that is the safest path to that stairway. I just think put yourselves in that position. If, if you were standing there and you came out of that window and you're staring at the door for the stairway, which path are you going to take? And I just, for the life of me, I can't see why we would go all the way around with all of that other stuff going on instead of just heading straight to the stairway. So it seems to me that um, we are looking, whether we want to call it an alternate method, we are calling it in our minds, the safest path um, to get the people, uh, somebody in that apartment, if they by chance on the slight chance that they needed to use it, uh, would go that direction. 
So Adrian is correct. The roof deck is an A2 occupancy. Um, barring last night's exception, um, no matter how much we like to think, um, you know, bars can be busy places, um, but we're still in Kansas. Uh, there's very few. I think this may be the only one of roof decks downtown. There's a reason why. It would never be used on a Sunday, Monday, last night being the exception, Tuesday, Wednesday. Most of these places, they aren't even open on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Hawk Bully, Bulls, Logies, what was the ranch, the kids, they all alternate certain days where they go out. Um, I know the owner may not like to hear it, but if we're, that roof deck will not be used four or five days out of the week. And that is only when the weather um, permits it. So, well, you know, we don't like, Adrian started bringing up some examples of things that can go wrong. Um, I mean, this is a safe building. It's the two other exits are providing the access. Um, if there was an incident, those, everybody on that roof deck ought to be getting to that stairway. They have two exits as well. That stairway, which is designed per code, the width of the doors, everything that was mentioned, or they can also exit directly to Massachusetts Street um, to the west. Um, so having said all that, I think we're looking for um, your approval to an equally, what in our mind is the safest path out of that uh, bedroom, if it by chance ever has to be used. Um, happy to answer any questions. I think it's probably fair to, um, you know, Brian visited the site, like his opinion on what we discussed when we were there, if he'd chime in and probably ask Adrian if he's looked up 1030.1 and maybe has a different opinion on whether that changes anybody's mind or not. Um, and happy to answer any questions. I've got a question. Paul, this is Eric J. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm just curious. I'm looking at one of the photos of the deck with some of the existing uh, posts that are already erected and mainly the ones around the mechanical equipment. Um, those posts appear to be, I don't know, five and a half, six feet tall. I'm just curious what the plan is for the screening on those and also that gate because I'm just thinking about if someone comes out of that window and there's a shielding device there that they can't see across that into the door. So I'm just wondering how they actually know that door's over there. Well, um, you know, whoever is staying, like I said, the manager, um, you know, maybe not perpetually, but the manager is set to move into that unit which um, so obviously very familiar with the building. There are lights out on the deck. There's emergency lights that go off. Um, I, I think it becomes pretty apparent on, on how they are supposed to exit that building. Yeah, I, get, I think it gets back to more if it's not the manager stand there is what I'm, I'm worried about a little bit. 
because it does look like it's tall enough to block line of sight from when you come out that window to the to the door, especially if there's 90 people up there. You know, um, emergency lights and emergency exit signs, um, certainly could add an exit sign. Um, I think, we, you know, again, the first path they're going is out the front door um, and down to Massachusetts Street, but certainly, yeah. um, you know, we could certainly educate somebody. Um, several facilities we have uh, exiting diagrams at the front doors you know and stuff like that um, there's i think there's a way around that pretty easily paul this is sean reardon i do have a quick question are you Sort of just answered one of them um, that the pathway for both the A and the R, R occupants will be well lit or lit per code, correct? Correct. Identified as far as exiting. Did you figure um, the single door, the one three foot door that's closest, is that size for all occupants of the floor or just the 91 of the roof deck? It is. Uh, so the only other occupants. Um, it's, it's all office uses that uh, I think is like 12 people. So certainly it's the, the roof deck is the big number and that, that door is sized for it. So the, the, the other, your short answer is it is sized for all the occupants on the second floor. Um, but it is the real number of occupants is on the roof deck. The offices is such a minimal number. It doesn't really affect that. Okay, I just want to clarify that that door is set to have potentially everyone on that floor, including the R. It it is, and it also all of those uh, all those the, both doors going both directions have panic hardware, so that's not an issue. Um, and exit lights and emergency lights. Okay, thank you. Brian Jimenez, city staff, I, I would uh, recommend or propose at this time, if there's no more questions to Adrian or to Paul, that you guys open it up for discussion and we'll ask anyone with conflict to um, either exit Zoom or exit the city commission room at this time. This would be, probably be the uh, opportunity for the chair to make that um, motion. I'd like to, this is Eric J. Um, I'd like to make a motion to open up. Uh, thanks for discussion. So no one else is, this is Sean Reardon. I just, um, I've worked quite a bit with Adrian and some of the other folks there and appreciate the opportunity to serve again on this board. It's a great group and do great work. Um, I'm going to just ask kind of a contrarian question. Um, and I, I understand that we're maybe intense to see if we're actually interpreting to the code as, as it's written. Um, but I just want to ask a simple question. Is the R occupant any more important than the A occupant? Point being is if, if the person from R 
is in the area with A, do they have priority to escape versus the A occupant? As I look at this as sort of a cynical question is, if there's a fire event, everyone's getting out. And is there one person, because they have a occupant type hanging over their head, who's more important than the other? Well, there is a chart um, in the code in regards to the uh, level of hazard means of egress. But there are, there's also a code section, which I can't remember the section right off the top of my head, that says you from one, one occupancy group cannot exit to another occupancy group unless that occupancy group is accessory to, to one another. And that, that code provision is, uh, say for instance, you have a business office and within that business office, you have a large conference room. Well, if, if the conference room is large enough, it, it would fall under separate occupancy and have to comply with uh, different code provisions. But that conference room is accessory to the business. And so if you had to go through there, um, it would be permitted under that exit through intervening rooms chapter and code provision. This particular case, the R occupancy is not accessory to the A2 occupancy. So even after all the other discussions regarding this, that the code provision will prohibit you from exiting through another occupancy. But there are, there are levels of hazards. And I think, uh, Sean, when I looked at it this morning, the R and the A we're in the same hazard classification. I may be wrong on that. Okay, and, I, and again, this is more maybe a philosophical than a, uh, a strictly by the book. It just the person, and I get if you're you're exiting through a fireworks factory, that's probably a bad idea. But if the person in the A, once they've gathered in the same space, I'm sorry, the person from the R, they've gotten out of their window, and they've reached the space with the A. Presumably everyone in that A space wants to get out equally as much as the R person. Why does that R person have, um, is given priority to have their own separate special path if they all are able to exit? Uh, well, there, there's general requirements and there are specific requirements in the code as you probably know, Sean. Um, this particular case, 1030 is a specific requirement provision for sleeping rooms. Now, sleeping rooms have different hazards. Um, if you're in an A2 occupancy, hopefully you're standing on your feet. Um, it depends on how much you drank that night, I guess. Uh, hopefully you're standing your, on your feet and aware, but the code recognizes A2 occupancies as places that serve food or drink, and it applies a different threshold or code provision to that A2 occupancy. The R2 occupant, they have an R2, R3, but there are specific code provisions for sleeping rooms, sleeping rooms. Now, there's a specific code provision for sleeping rooms because the code recognizes that they're going to be sound asleep and be late to respond to emergencies. Um, and so that's why it assigns an extra hazard to that sleeping room. Because you you'll be asleep, you'll, you'll be slow to respond um, and uh, as opposed to an agent. So yes, they can, they can get together, but that code provision 1030.1 10, 
says, when you come out of that window, you should be able to get away from the building immediately. And so, yeah, you can combine and then everybody's kind of fighting for the same door at the same place, but that's not what the code says. It's, it's our interpretation that that's not what the code says. And we follow that specific language for sleeping rooms and emergency escape and rescue openings. Okay, understood. Thanks for clarifying that. Adrian. Yes. Can you, can you see me? I can see Sean. I can't see you. Yes, I, yes, I see you. Alex. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it, I, I need a clarification on occupancy classes. Aren't A occupancies classified that way and, ha and it's the most restrictive um, classification of occupancy in the code because the people that are occupying an A occupancy are unfamiliar with the space that they're in, in that it's a transient event and those, therefore they need greater protections. Whereas our occupancies are much, much less restrictive because people have a tendency to live in the R occupancy on a continuing basis and are familiar with their surroundings. That is, that is a, uh, correct with the exception of the R1, which are hotels. Right, right, I know that. So um, given that, once you get outside that egress window, what classification of occupant are you? I'm kind of following Sean's thinking there. Well, if you're if you're if you cross into that threshold beyond what we determined was set up as a barrier, um, we would we would um, set that barrier between the R2 and A2 as that fence. So if you if the fence is not there when you step out that window you're immediately in an A occupancy, A2 occupancy. Okay. With the fence there, we assume that that is the barrier between the R2 and the A2. Okay, so we can stipulate that once they step out that window, they are, um, they've met the requirement of the exit access in, in the definition of a court. Is that correct? Well, in, when, they, when we uh, reviewed the alternate method that was uh, submitted and proposed, uh, there was no clear definition of that space, that path. Uh, we, that's why we quote unquote it called call it an egress alley. Um, uh, but this morning, as I was reviewing the code section, I could more refer to it as exit access. With <clears throat> typically, when you come out your window, that is the exit. So we right. extended the, we extended a, a path of exit access to the two-hour enclosure. So even though the, the code was not clearly defined what that pathway was, um, the applicant called it an egress court. We kind of disagree with that because there's a definition of an egress court. Um, we just defined it as a clearance unobstructed exit access to the exit door enclosure and, not, and did not assign it an occupancy. Okay. Um given that the uh, A occupants are uh, much greater in number, but, but, but much less familiar with that particular surrounding than the R occupant who's coming out the window or four occupants or however many there are, um, why are those four occupants coming out of a sleeping room or um, uh, 
uh, our occupancy in greater jeopardy than the less familiar A occupants on the on the courtyard deck. Before they come on, before they come out of the window, Alan or Pat. Beg pardon. Well, once they get out the window, why are the R residents in any greater jeopardy, given the fact, given the interpretation of the code, that they are more familiar with that area than they are than the A occupants? Why are the R, R occupants in any greater jeopardy once they get outside that window than the A occupants? And then, and then once again, we come back to, is the fence there or is the fence not there? If the fence is there, then I believe, and I think it's our collective interpretation that they are in a greater jeopardy because they're competing for that means of egress to get to that one exit. If the downstairs, you know, there's been discussion about whether the downstairs, the number of exits that are open to the, um, the apartment occupant. But the whole point is you should have choices when you come out of that door, your apartment door. Right. Uh, or you should have an extra choice when you come out of your bedroom window, egress window. So I, I, I'm hoping I'm understanding what you're saying, Alan. I'm saying that I, I think it's our interpretation that if they mix with the A occupants, <laughs> Um, then they're, they're, and then there's a fire inside the apartment where there's smoke or something coming up the stairway. Where, you know, we have to uh, assume all these different scenarios. But if, uh, if that apartment door is blocked, right, the, the roof are not going to go back into the building with smoke in it, to it right? right? And then the apartment dwellers, <laughs> they can compete with that one exit, that one occupied roof exit. Um, it's just our interpretation that it's. I understand. No, I, yeah. I, I think you've interpreted. I think you've interpreted the code within the four corners correctly of the code. Okay. Um, let's get to your comment about behaviors during emergencies. Let's be practical. You come out of that window and you look at a door that other people are going to. Are you gonna jump the fence or push the egress bar on the fence and go for that door? Or are you gonna to try to find your circuitous route around that? What I see is a special exit access for a small group of occupants. And you've kind of made the most familiar people in the building with the area around Uber exiters, as opposed to the, um, the A occupants who are trying to, who are familiar with the area and are headed toward the door. Right, I, I would agree. I'm trying to get down into the actual pr practical, I know you've interpreted the code, but let's look at this practically, you know, about life threatens, threat to life and what a person is going, how they're going to behave in this particular situation. Well, I would, I would defer to fire prevention. I'm not the expert on how people, react in fire i would hope that uh, chief king or captain fussell would have something that, well you were the one that said it <laughs> real, real quick brian jimenez i just want to re remind everyone that even though adrian's referring to you as alan alan i'm sorry um we need we need each board member it's 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 a it's a pain but we need each board member to state their name before they speak again 
when that conversation is happening. I'm sorry, Brian. I, di I didn't. I I'm having trouble pushing my buttons. They won't respond. So I'm Alan Balot. Just a reminder. Yeah, it's tough to do. Right. Steph, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and uh, sorry about that. That was probably most of my fault there. Um, well, I, a little bit I know about uh, behavior during emergency is completely unpredictable. The things that people do, and I, you know, I can probably go back and pull up some studies or something like that, but I wasn't prepared for that particular question. Um, hey. uh, Adrian, I can speak to it if you, okay. if you wanted me to real quickly. And and you, Chris King, sorry, fire prevention, um, uh, City of Lawrence. Um, Adrian is right. Um, uh, predicting um, people's behaviors um, during an emergency situation um, would be next to impossible. I think that's why the codes. Um, the standards have been evolved over hundreds of years um, to, to provide that safe environment, that safe egress, um, whether it's an emergency or whether it's active or passive. Um, those things are built into the code to provide those things. Um, the, uh, 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 the thing that we also, you know, and the code doesn't talk about, we talk about practicality and um, would I want my child, uh, <clears throat> is that safe for my child? Does that meet the code for my child to stay in? Um, those kind of things, that's practicality sometimes we have to look at, but um, the code doesn't speak to my to my family. It's, it speaks to everybody that, that, that it applies to. Um, uh, I think that the the challenge, uh, Alan, you had talked about was uh, the R versus the assembly, and and uh, why does the why is there more restrictive almost on the on the R um, when the, the assembly has been identified as a higher hazard, and I think that's right where it lands um, is that the assembly is a higher hazard identified by the code in which um, the, the tenant or the, uh, the person inside the um, sleeping unit um, is, uh, is trying to egress out onto the roof. Um, uh, did, uh, did that answer the question? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Um, this is Alan Balot. Alan, can I please yeah. interrupt real quick? Brian, sure. Dennis. So um, we've been informed that um, this commission meeting room has another scheduled meeting at two. Um, we do have a, we do have an, a, maybe a plan that would work if we could take a 15 minute recess, if that would be agreeable by the board. I, I think the board probably would want to resolve this today and not have to come back. Would, would that be a fair assessment? I'm seeing heads shake. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So here's here's what we're going here's what we're going to do. Um, we'll take a 15 minute break. Um, our office is obviously a one two minute walk from City Hall. We'll go to our conference room. The board members that are here will need to come with us. Obviously, everyone will get back on in 15 minutes, and then we'll continue this. I apologize for this. 
but I, I don't, I think we probably got at least another half hour discussion or, or more, it sounds like, before we come to, and I don't want the board to rush. I want you to be completely comfortable in, in, in where you land on this. So if it's agreeable, um, you know, this is many of our first meetings, so I apologize for this little hiccup here. If everyone's agreeable, we will, we will take a break of 15 minutes. We will move to our office over in Planning Development Services and we'll reconvene. May I continue my, my discussion with Chris King after we reconvene? Sure. Yeah, you'll, you, we'll, we'll continue right where we left off, Alan. Okay. All right. So what do we do? Log off and then join the meeting again? Stay logged in. Uh, Kyle Covey with planning out. Yeah, stay logged in for now. Um, I'll give you an update if you we need to... I'm figuring this out in real time, so get, bear with me for just a second. You should be able to stay logged on. I'm going to try to get logged in over there. I'll leave this up for now. I'm going to okay. mute and turn my video off, and I think we'll try to work it that way. But I guess just stay posted just in case something changes. Okay. Okay, at this time, we'll, we'll take a recess, 15 minutes, and we'll get back on. I know it's all right. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. Brian Jimenez, city staff. Thanks for your patience once again. Uh, Alan, if, it looks like you're unmuted. So if you want to continue your conversation with Adrian, go ahead and then we'll continue from there. And Chief King. And Chief King. Actually, actually it was with Chris. Um, okay. Chris is here. I, the, Chris, the point I wanted to make was that um, A occupants are let least likely to be familiar with the space that they're in in need of exiting and that is why the code provides them more opportunities for uh, exiting a space in case of an emergency our occupants are more familiar with the surroundings of their space and are therefore not re not required to have as many restrictions or additional uh, exceptions for exiting and the point I'm trying to make is I look at this picture from it looks like above on the roof above looking down on the whole deck and I'm right above the um, egress window of the, uh, the, the the person that comes out of an RA occupancy is familiar that that exit is right across you can see it and this circuitous route that you've that's been created to comply with the code, which is correct. It really isn't the safest way to get out of there. That, that's the point I'm trying to make, nor the quickest uh, way. Yeah, no, and, and, and I fully uh, recognize that all, Alan, as well. Um, I think that uh, we would all agree that, uh, or could agree that the, the um, 
the code says it needs to get to the public way. What we have done in all uh, other downtown apartments in a similar scenario, uh, the, the, the difference in this one is that there's an assembly in the middle of the roof. Um, we, by code, we, everyone, only needs to get that person to the edge of the roof, essentially, and then they would lower themselves down. Uh, but we have initially approved um, an, an exit access to the opposite side of the stairs, um, you know, and, and by getting to the stairs, then we're outside, right? Um, the, um, you know, and I think um, the code also recognizes those our occupancies and identifies those openings needed in sleeping rooms, um, one as a second means of egress out. Um, uh, the, um, for purposes of, of being able to, you know, to escape, to get out. Um, uh, residential occupancies, uh, statistically speaking, there's probably more fires that occur in residential occupancies. Um, uh, newer assemblies, um, uh, new constructed assemblies, um, they, uh, uh, you know, the fire protection and the design of them have improved over time. And so um, those have, uh, depending on uh, jurisdictions or different uh, adopted codes, uh, may be less than uh, statistically speaking. But um, what the challenge with the assemblies is, is that typically if there's a fire in an assembly with a higher occupant load, there is a higher um, injury or fatality that occurs with those type of occupancies, hence the changes with the, with the codes. And so like we all know that as well, but yeah, no, thank you for that, Alan, I appreciate that. I, I, maybe I'm relying too much on my experience on serving with the Board of Zoning Appeals, but um, we have a land development code, it's very specific and it covers everything. It's like throwing a blanket over the whole city, but we all know that there are certain situations where something might not quite apply and that's why we have a board of zoning appeals is to serve as a safety valve for individual nuances that don't fit necessarily in the code i see our responsibility as a building code board of appeals member to be that safety valve okay i'm i'm i agree with your interpretation but I'm just thinking in terms of these are nuances that are particular to this particular situation that this board needs to address, and that's our duty. Okay. Well, and yeah, and I appreciate that. And I think that that's there's a process for that. I think Brian could speak to that um, uh, that process if if there was a needed change or a needed alternative. Are you referring, Brian Jimenez, are you like referring to a code amendment to address yeah. something like this? Right. I mean, yeah, that's something we could address in the future. Um, Which is a separate I'm, I'm process. Not, I'm not proposing that. I'm not proposing that. And this is why I, I was confused with the, the way we were told in the letter that we could only do certain things. That you could tell you, basically, we could tell you you were right or we could tell you that you are wrong and only an individual can ask for a, an interpretation and modification of the code. Whereas with the Board of, Boarding, Board of Zoning Appeals, it amends the code for that specific request, okay? And it goes with the land. And I, 
I, I'm wondering, is that our duty? Can we, can we find something different than what staff has recommended and not have to alter the building codes? Uh, Alan, let, let me, Brian Jimenez, let me read this straight out of uh, the IBC and, and I don't know if this will help or not, but this is the, this is what it says the limitations of authority are. An application for appeal shall be based on a claim that the true intent of this code or the rules legally adopted thereunder have been incorrectly interpreted, the provisions of this code do not fully apply, or an equally good or better form of construction is provided. The, the board shall not have the authority to waive requirements of this code. So maybe that gives you a little bit more guidance. That's straight out of the code about the the uh, the, the limitations or the scope of the authority of the board. I I I can't write fast enough, Brian. Can you just repeat two and three for me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the provisions of this code do not fully apply, or an equally good or better form of construction is proposed. The board shall not have authority to waive requirements of this code. Okay. And if anybody would like me to read the alternative methods design, uh, excuse me, the alternative materials design and methods of construction equipment, which this is pretty much based on, I can provide that as well. If you don't think so, I won't. I won't waste our time on that. right of way is a specific is specifically defined um, the accessory the rooftop is not an accessory or known space to the residential as well as the residential has no control over that space if you have a conference room in your office you have control over the conference room so anything could be placed put happening tables, chairs, blocking the gate to the residential side. So the residential person isn't being given a better chance of getting out. He's being given his own chance because he has no control over the rest of it. Um, so as uh, for what the board can do, so we can say, yes, we agree with the code officials interpretation or no, we do not and vote accordingly. And then um, the builder group can ask for a different code interpretation. But as a board, we can't make up another alternative, correct? That would be my understanding. Adrian Jones, that would be my understanding. Uh, this is Alan Balot. Could you please read two and three of, again for me, Brian? Okay. And this, this might help with um, board member Scott's question as well. Uh, I'm just going to go through it again. It's not that long. I think it's relevant that we do this. An application for an appeal shall be based on a claim that the true intent of the co this code or the rules legally adopted thereunder have been incorrectly interpreted. One, the provisions of the code do not fully apply or two, or an equally good or better form of construction is proposed. 
three. Thank you. Uh, this is Eric J. Chair. I'm curious if that means a better means of construction necessarily means a better plan. Like, how is that interpreted? Do you, have you looked at the commentary, Adrian? If they, if they're asked, I mean, if they provided a better plan, and we're saying no, that doesn't meet the code. That's what number three means. Member Jay, could you repeat your question for everyone again, please? Um, Eric J. Chair, I'm just curious in that language of number three how it says, you know, is there a better means of construction? Does that necessarily mean that there's a better plan? Because I see a design plan as a different tool than a method of construction. I'm just curious for clarification. Because I think if it means that if it could be a plan, then I think that it's in our realm to uh, approve a different plan under those uh, that interpretation uh brian jimenez city staff i i would i would say that that language is probably can be open to interpretation a couple of ways i think you could probably in my opinion first and foremost make it apply to the type of construction can you the question i think you're asking can you expand that out or imply that that also applies to design. Exactly. Yeah. Is that that's a, what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. It says an equally good or better form of construction. And ultimately, that's that could probably be argued or interpreted several ways depending on the situation. I think. I think the. Not to put it back all on the board, but I think that's that's where the board is steps or decides. Yeah, takes that challenge and, and makes that determination for us. Well, uh, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence, I think in the code modification request that was specifically altered. I mean, pro, uh, proposed, and as part of that modification, like the plan was to exit across the route. Right. That was the plan. That was the alternate plan as opposed to the construction and the egress access. So I would say that the city of Lawrence building safety and fire prevention denied that. Would that be correct? We denied if it's a it's a method of construction with the gate and the pathway. The alternate was a plan Just go straight across. To, to go straight across. And and we we so, presented um, arguments, that's probably not the best word, that against each item in my presentation, we presented counters to those to that reasoning of those points. One of those points included a, a revised plan to go across the the roof it does that make sense uh yeah president well, can i expand on that adrian real quick brian Jimenez, city staff so i think adrian's correct on how we get back to 104.11 alternative materials design and methods of construction and equipment so i think it's fair to say adrian or chris uh, um, please 
stop me if I'm wrong, the alternate design that was submitted was the designated pathway egress out of the window. Uh, fires, fire, fire prevention and building safety, um, this was before my time, just, just to let you know, made the determination that that plan submitted by Paul Warner Architects at that time was an alternative design that met the intent of the code. And then what we're saying is when that appeal came in to our denial of that request, well, the new request of eliminating that, we did not think that alternative design was meeting the code provisions of the intent or the, the intent of the code. Um, do you think it would be helpful if I read that 104.11 for you to help any clarification? It might help, but the, I'll, let, I'll let you guys tell me one way or the other. I think that you provided that in the packet, didn't you? No, I don't know, but they may not have it uh, handy. Okay, I'm, do I have anyone that opposes that? Okay, I'm going to read it. The provisions of this code are intended to prevent the installation of any material or to prohibit any design or method of construction not specifically prescribed by the code, provided that any such alternative has been approved. A alternative material design or method of construction shall be approved where the building official finds that the proposed design is satisfactory and it complies with the intent of the provisions of this code and that the material method of work offered is for the purpose intended not less than the equivalent of that prescribed in the code in quality strength effectiveness fire resistance durability and safety where the alternative material design or method of construction is not approved the billing official shall respond in writing stating the reasons why the alternative was not approved Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, chew on that one. <laughs> this is Warren White. I'm going to interrupt on that because, yes, that is a lot of information right there. I do have a question if I can regress a little bit back to the alternate pathway. The materials of that show a uh, six foot chain link fence and a 40 inch steel fence around the outside. Am I seeing that correct on the plans? So is that, if that pathway is there, am, am I seeing that correctly to where that entire patio is encased in a six foot chain link fence? I can't remember the details of the okay. Yeah, I was looking I was looking over on the side and it says six foot uh or <laughs> perforated steel. Yeah. Um, uh, Derek Jade chair, this that's the fence around the mechanical equipment that I was asking about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that would make sense. Okay.
have more discussion or open it up for the yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Hamed, city staff, just um, we're still in discussion by the board members. So you can continue with this um, discussion if you so wish. And another alternative is um, there is the opportunity at any time, obviously, to make a motion that there's a, a vote on the matter and you can go that route. I'm not trying to rush you. I'm just, we're sort of seem like we're getting a little bit on standstill here. So I want to just give you those options. Or Hi, this is Sean Reardon. I do yeah. have one quick question. Sure. Um, the uh, alternative plan that has the extra route, there is kind of a, there's two different size fence heights there, including on the east side, and that's somewhat irrelevant. But um, can Paul or someone confirm that what I'm going to call it the short route will still be available even with the long route? And it will be marked and have an exit if needed, an exit bar? Um, I guess to your point, yes. So they they could go to all of this work and build that path, and then the short route would still exist, and that's how somebody would get off the roof. I think. Um, I mean, while I have it, I was if I can ask um, Brian. I mean, to your point, I think in all this discussion, and you've read the one, two, and threes clearly. Like I said. Our thought is that this is equally good or better form of construction. And that's where the, why we're here in front of the board. It is subjective that the alternate, I mean, I think both of these meet the code. The question is, does somebody agree with us that going 48 feet is better than going 112? And in our opinion, this is safer. Um, and that's why we're here. So that's the subjective part of why the board gets, in our minds, gets to decide whether this is acceptable or not. I think. Yeah, Eric J. Cheryl, um, I'm struggling with this a little bit too, um, because I can see the side where once the occupant of the sleeping area is out the window, to me, that's their safe refuge. Um, but once they exit that window, and if there's 90 people up on that rooftop, then they become, in my opinion, part of that assembly. And so I'm also struggling with whether, I mean, why is there hierarchy over um, the assembly folks on that roof? with, you know, compared to the residential occupant and then with the direct path. And so I almost wonder if, um, you know, that pathway is not there, but um, if that other door in the stairway actually creates more egress for 90 people than, um, than the path itself. Because I, I think I agree that um, someone comes out of that sleeping area they're not going to use that pathway. Um, and for, for reference, we had that in our shop because of a code uh, requirement. And, and you know, within a our our building of 
our storage area, we had to create a path with a 42 inch rail to get from one door to the other. And it's never used, never. And so we, I mean, people are gonna take the shortest path of least resistance in my opinion. Um, that's how I feel about it. Board member Brunin, um, Paul, this is a question for you. I would ask, um, not knowing all the rules of landings, the three foot gate there at the edge of the kind of, or at the start of the uh, kind of pathway leading out onto the roof deck. Is there a reason why that gate could not swing inwards so it could never be blocked from the rooftop patio? Um, with, uh, as you know, with um, with the occupancy that low for just obviously really one person, it could swing in. Um, great point. So, Eric, Jay, Chair, another question, Paul. That perforated fence that's proposed around that mechanical equipment, can that get any closer to the equipment pads? Because I assume that's there primarily just as a screening device. And so... I, in my mind, if that um, egress path is not there, it would even seem more safe if someone exiting the window in the sleeping area um, exited to the rooftop immediately rather than having to go through a, you know, a six-foot fence and gate. Um, we could we could look at that. No, it's a good point. It's yes, it's it's meant to screen. Um, it's meant to screen the equipment from people um, sitting on the roof deck. But whether that and that's just how it was laid out before by somebody else. But we we could look at that. That's a great point. Um, you're also reminding me in those pictures. Um, it's a little deceiving how tall that really is because the two by two roof deck. Um, um, my mind's going blank. Sorry, we're all a little tired. The um, the finished floor of that roof deck is probably a foot taller off that deck. It's all on uh, two by two pile stands. Um, but but great point. We could the gate could certainly swing in, and we could look at getting it even closer to. Uh, Adrian Jones, City City of Lawrence. I've I've been uh, ex officio members, um, a member of various boards, and it's been my experience over that time that sometimes when we get when boards get down to these votes, they they start kind of picking apart the project uh, and trying to come up with different different than what's uh, before them to vote on. Hmm. Um, and so I think this particular board at this particular time has what's it's in front of them. To vote on. We don't want to, we're not voting on, the board is not voting on, well, no, we can put a fence that, with a gate that swings in, or we can add extra lights or, or uh, some kind of, kind of the board. I mean, this happens more, probably more than uh, people are aware of, but um, they start redesigning uh, what the board is there to um, vote on. And in this particular case, I think we have the documents in front of us um, where we, the board can say, can give a yay or nay on the number one. Are you um, voting to 
determine if the building safety department has interpreted the code correctly? Are you voting on uh, an interpretation or an alternate method? Um, and so I, I think it needs to be clarified exactly what the board is voting on. And sometimes I get that gets muddled. Um, and so, you know, we've read the modification, uh, the applicant submitted the mo modification, the, um, the building safety division denied the modification. Uh, and so like, again, once again, are you voting on the interpretation of the building official, which is one of the uh, modification requests or items that's required in the code? Or are you voting on, um, you know, an alternate method of construction at this point? It gets, it gets kind of muddled, but I think it, it's, it's gonna come down to a um, uh, yeah or nay vote. It's not gonna come down to a yeah, but this. Right. So. I'm Eric J. Chair. Um, uh, so let's say we vote on the intent as interpreted by the code and whether that's um, yes or no, they have the ability to then resubmit with another plan which would be reviewed and what you know they either come back here or that's handled in the plan review process correct right yeah so and uh, uh, or the previous alternative was already approved uh -huh. and then at a later date they came back and changed yeah. <clears throat> so they could do what's approved mm -hmm. or submit an alternative. No, the revision, right? Right. right. So. Adrian, I, I absolutely understand your comment about um, Paul and Paul architects going back and forth and stuff. I do. Um, I mean, to Eric's comment, I mean, I think it is a question whether the board thinks this is safer. Then it's also a question, I mean, to Eric's comment, I would hate to have taken up so much of your guys' time, um, especially, I mean, Adrian and Brian's staff, that if you tell me that if that door swung in instead of out, that everybody thinks that's even safer. I mean, I would rather solve that today. Um, and I, I agree, we don't want to redesign the whole thing, but um, if, if that makes the board happy um, as, as an alternate, I would certainly think that's better use of everybody's time than this getting turned down because the door swings out and then me turning this back in in a couple of days, um, if that's the way the owner wants to proceed. But again, I think it is, it's equally or better is the, is the term equally good or better. And I think that's the, you're right. It's, it's going to come down to a yes or no vote is what we proposed equally good or, or and maybe even stop there. Is it equally as good as what we've got? 
to the same stairway? That's the question. Thank you. And Brian, you may city staff. I just, I just think this is maybe important to note. Even though the language of 104.11 and 113.2 is different, if there is there is a connection there. Hello, are you with Paul? No, I'm in the office. Oh. There is a connection there, where basically we were talking about. And limitations of authority is equally good or better form of construction is proposed. And then I think that's pretty much in line with an alternative design or method of construction is, is satisfactory and complies with the intent of the provisions of this code. So that's I think that's where they are in line. Um, Paul submitted a code modification request. I don't have the letter in front of me, but I think that's pretty much how he, he presented it. Um, so I think it's the board's directive here is to determine that without, like Adrian said, additional items installed or placed or, or the design is slightly changed, so forth. Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Um, so is uh, asking Brian, are we here to vote on the denial of the code modification request? Well, I think that's where it gets really muddy. Like you said, they, they seem to sort of, um, they seem to sort of get muddled together because um, the way I look at it, Paul's submittal, and please any staff or fire prevention, please step in. Um, some of you have much more experience in this than me. Paul's response to our denial was a code modification request, correct? Right. So that lends me to believe the board should be looking at, does that code modification request meet 104 point? Meet 104.11. Yeah, Timberly. Timberly French, permit technician. Um, if the board, the board is looking at if the the city properly interpreted the code, we denied the modification request. So if the board finds that the city did not interpret the code correctly, then they would be approving an alternate. The alternate, the modification is an alternate design, and they would be approving that. So those are one and the same, in my opinion, in this situation, because the city, the applicant has applied for a modification to the code, presenting a an equal or better design. The city has denied that. So the city has interpreted the code in a denial that that does not meet an equally or better design. So the board would be voting on both items if the city interpreted correctly and if the design is equal or better to the code. So I don't think that there's a question between one or the other, it's one in the same. It's the intent of 
that section of the code. Okay, Brian Jimenez, city staff, let me read you this part of alternative materials. Does this change? Not voting on that. Designer method not specifically prescribed by this code. Yeah, I, I just want to make one more clarification and I'm not going to say anything else. The applicant presented a code modification request. That code modification had request in order to be approved, it has to meet all four elements required in that code modification request. It has, does, does it meet the intent of the code? Is the design safer or less safer? Um, and what are the other ones? Um, is it no, reference what you're calling? 104111. Okay. Okay. The code modification has specific items by code, which we are voting on a denial of a code modification. If the board finds that the applicant and we, we deny, we said that it's four things. Is it practical, must be practical difficulties in carrying out the provision of the code? And I don't know if it's an either or, I think it's an and. Um, the building official is a, is a, why can't they, uh, does it not meet the strict letter of the code? Does it make that impact impractical? Is the modification in compliance with the intent of the code? And we're talking about the, when we say the modification, we're, we're saying, they want to just go exit across the roof. That's the modification. Mm -hmm. And does the modification lessen the life safety of the occupant? Mm -hmm. um, the applicant is proposing that yes. One, one board member said it does not meet the strict letter of the code or, or whatever. And then the applicant is saying they believe it's safer going 48 feet as opposed to 62 feet. Um, Fire prevention and building safety disagrees with that. That's part of the denial. Uh, they said uh, is another reason we denied it was what it didn't. It was in, not in compliance with the intent of the code. And we interpret our intent of the code is that they should get to is it is it equal for them to claw, crawl out of their window and be get away from the building, or did it meet? Uh, that it meet that intent by going through an accessory space. And I think building safety said, no, we don't think, we don't believe. This, this is our interpretation, interpretation and the reason why we denied it. Um, another part of the code modification is, the, is, this, is this a special reason? There's something special about this where they can't meet the strict code requirements. But building safety and fire prevention said that there was nothing special about this after we reviewed and approved the alternate method. There was nothing special from now wanting to go straight across the roof or, or now going around the, the pathway. There's nothing special. Building safety said there's nothing special where they can't meet the strict letter of the code or we're not at the strict letter of the code anymore. We're at what was approved on the plans. Because we've already altered, we've already allowed them not to meet the strict letter of the code. So we're comparing, comparing what was approved to now what is being proposed. We have the approved plans, those were pro proposed. Now we have an alternate plan going across the roof. 
So the building official and fire prevention, if, if I'm mistaken here, uh, you know, we believe under that tenant on the code modification that uh, there was nothing special about that. You could comply with the approved plans. So we denied that portion. Uh, the first portion, is this practical? Is it, is it practically difficult to comply with 1011, 104.11? We looked at that and we said, no, it's, it, it's not difficult. It's not practically difficult. So that's my interpretation of the code modification request that was submitted. Now the board has to vote on, you know, do they want to approve one portion of that code modification request requirement of the code uh, about the design and not approve the one about the intent? Do they want to say it's impractical? They they believe it's uh, it's not impractical because maybe it's hard to cut a hole in the wall. But that's how I interpret this. We were. We denied the code modification request. Does the board agree with us or not agree with us for several reasons? And sure, it's a waste of time, but uh, to uh, support or um, submit an alternate design and have that voted before the board. We, we kind of did that when we did the, the roof, but if, if you want to come back and and uh, vote on that, then then we can. It, it, it'll take a, a little time, but I'm I'm here right now, now saying I wouldn't approve that gate. I don't think it, it makes anything better. So that's why I said when these boards get together and vote on stuff, let's not tear it apart and start redesigning what the applicant has submitted and what the applicant was denied. So. Um, Eric, J, Chair, I just got a quick question. Hypothetical. If, if there was a 42 inch rail from that gate over to that stairwell, you would approve that? I can't say right now because I, I'm not here to review plans in the middle of the meeting. I, I'd have to look at everything. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious if that, I mean, if that, not that that's how they want to set up their assembly space, but I was just trying to think through some things. So there was uh, lots of different options. I'm sorry, Chris King, Fire Medical. <laughs> yeah. Repeat my name every time. <laughs> um, nonetheless, uh, uh, initially, it was just a rooftop, huh. and then uh, it evolved. Oh, the project evolved. It was, it was an awesome project. Yeah. Evolved over time to where it was going to have an assembly space. Uh, there needed to be separation. Uh, initially, a long time ago, it was they, had, they created an access walkway for the maintenance people to the to the Stairwell. equipment. No, the equipment. And there wasn't any assembly up top. And then over time, it evolved into the use of the space. Um, and then I think the apartments uh, maybe were an evolution of the, the project as well. So, um, so as, we're, as we're going through those different evolutions, there's always challenges with uh, remodeling or whatever. Um, uh, uh, the, the key is, I mean, as you identified, um, there could be an alternative what that assembly space looks like. The key is that whatever that new space looks like there, they have to count for the exit yeah. for those people. And so- um, uh, I'm just wondering, yeah. sorry, Eric, J. No, sorry. how critical the uh, those barriers are as a guardrail more so than something else that's that defines the path. 
Well, I think I'm Chris King. No, I, don't, I don't know the code behind the guardrail heights or. Well, Gar Adrian Jones guardrail heights, 42 inches are in, for, in the commercial. That's just a requirement for it. Um, and that that's considered a permanent barrier. Um, and that's been used throughout the code. Except so it's the same as a, a yeah, guardrail barrier. Mm -hmm. So, um, as Chair Scott, um, so <clears throat> when they exit the egress window, the goal is to get to the public space. Right. But you've got a six foot privacy fence for the mechanical equipment that you've enclosed them with. I, I, I don't have the plans in front of me. Is that six foot? So six. But Paul's, I mean, it appears shorter on the inside because the platform's higher, sorry. But, so you've, you've already restricted them to get them out one way or another. So what we're looking at is, is a code equivalent path, the, the first path, that was approved, or is a bed, better code equivalent or as good as code equivalent path, the second path. But the goal is to get to the public space. Chris King, correct. Um, the other key is, is something that hasn't also been talked about. And there's lots of things in code, right? Um, so the challenge is, is as we create alternatives or modifications, we cannot affect other sections of the code. Um, Intervening spaces would be one of, an example of that. Exiting through intervening spaces would be creating a code violation by by exiting through the the second mod the second modification or the modification. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the modification would create exiting through an intervening space that would create a violation. So by that design. And that, that specifically, excuse me, Adrian Jones, that specifically, that specific code violation that would be created through going through an accessory is in the building code section 1016. Um, Eric J. Chair, can you just briefly explain how this is different than the photo that Paul included in his packet for the here project up by the stadium? Yeah, I, oh, Chris King, Fire Medical Labs, and I reviewed that real quick. Um, so uh, the here building, uh, so that's an A4, and typically A4s have to are described in or defined in the code about interior swimming pools. So this is an exterior rooftop swimming pool, um, and so uh, floors below three and below aren't required to have emergency escape and rescue openings. I believe that's on the third floor um, of the building. Um, so the difference between an A2 and an A4 is the, they're selling alcohol and drinking alcohol and eating food. Um, uh, the layout, um, let's say the swimming pool can change the layout um, of their chase lounges or their tables or whatever, but um, the assembly can change daily um and so um i think that's the difference mm -hmm. um uh, uh chris did yeah. you just say that the egress window isn't required there no no okay 
No, anything above three three stories isn't required. So you're saying the so the windows in the picture are not required. I believe that's on the third floor, so it would be required. Third floor windows are required, aren't they? Egress windows. It's when they're four people. For your ladder ladder. I believe it's we'll check the code real quick, but I think it's anything below, below the fourth floor. So egress exiting across an A2 is different than an A4. Right, and I guess the, the, the... I mean, you guys are inventing stuff in 10... I mean, I read 1016.1. It's about intervening spaces. You're exactly right. It doesn't say assembly anywhere in here. So, we can I mean, look back at that project. Um, the, the reason I looked at that is... Uh, to answer that question. So um, uh, I think there is a clear difference between an A2 and an exterior outdoor swimming pool. There may um, be. I don't know where it says that, though. Yeah. Still an intervening space, isn't it? Right. So with even more people. Yeah, I don't know. It's a pool. Well, well, and the, I think the key is is that we're looking at uh, the project, and we can do we could look at projects all across town, right? <laughs> that have unique situations, um, examples okay. of how how and what sections of the code and what code additions were adopted when those buildings were built, on and on. Um, I think what we're here today to do, um, as Adrian has said multiple times, and I think is that is for, to pre present both sides of what uh, was what was done with the code modification. And that's what we're needing to pro provide to the board today. Um, someone, since you probably don't want me to do it, can someone read 1030.1 to the board, please? Four sentences. You can get to it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. Okay, I'll open it. It's real hot. Turn open this door back in. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm open the sweat. Not the one here in the direct. Okay. 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 The first five sentences of 1030.1. Okay. In addition to means of egress required by this chapter, emergency escape and rescue openings shall be provided in the following occupancies. Number one, group R2 occupancies located in stories with only one exit or access to only one exit as permitted, permitted by tables 1006.3.31 and 1006.3.32. That's it. So, so don't, we have two exits out of that room. Do I even, I don't even need the emergency escape rescue window. Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Paul, that was not presented in the code modification request. You didn't say use exception R2 or, or whatever. 
You are correct. Right, man. And I guess Chris came with the fire medical as well is that um, while there may be two exits, I don't think that that uh, the uh, two exits for the assembly or the business occupancy is, um, I guess it's for the assembly on the second floor. Um, the, I'm not sure that once we have to exit through an intervening space that there are two exits, right? So that it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. Right? I don't think Paul's counting the, what the, the window is a second exit, is he? No, no. He said he's getting in the interior. Right. So, the so interior. but to leave the interior hallway, you have to go out onto the roof and do the assembly. Correct. If you can't get out of the door, you don't have any exit. So you have you can't have two. Right. Go ahead, J Jason. Go ahead. Jason Lady, Building Inspector Specialist with the City of Lawrence uh, Building Safety Division. Um, Kind of two things here, Paul. One, I don't think you have two exits for this plane um, for, for two reasons. Uh, one is that regardless of coming out the window or going through what you're calling the second exit back onto the A2, you're exiting back through an intervening space. Two is the occupant load of this, of, of this level, of this floor, regardless of whether we're talking the business, the A2, the art, three or the R2, whatever we're classifying it as, um, you are going against the grain in that instance. Yes, you can come out of that R2 and go directly down the stairs on mass. But when you're talking about the exiting of the total e egress for that level, you're going back down a hallway and you're going against the door swing that goes in the opposite direction of what would be allowed by code. That egress off that rooftop is swinging in the direction of travel for the personnel or the occupants that are coming off that roof deck in the A2 assembly. Not talking that you have a secondary exit out of that business area back through the A2 or from the R2 back through the A2 because the direction of travel, that door swing, is in the incorrect you are configuration. I mean, there's, there's, uh, as you know, the door swing doesn't matter until it's after 50 people. So yes, the door swings in the direction of the more occupants. But you have over 50 people, know. Paul. It Sorry, does It's Jason, Paul Warner, that uh, you're correct. The door can swing. It swings in the direction of the people from the roof deck. That's still an exit. You can still swing a door towards you if you if the occupancy is less than fifty. And as you pointed out, the occupancy on the rest of the second floor is very minimal. I agree, uh, Jason. Like you said, once uh, I would agree that, that that the occupancy is very minimal. We're talking the total occupancy load. Of, of that level, of the second level, not necessarily the occupancy. We don't have separated occupancies here. And if we do have separated occupancies for the code, then you can't exit back through that intervening space regardless per code. So even if you do have separate occupancies, which we do not, then 
the door swing, you're talking the total occupancy load for that level and the door swing in that case from the business occupancy add on to the A2 through that corridor, through that hallway would be in the incorrect configuration for the door swing because you're talking a total occupancy. Brian Jimenez, city staff. I mean, I, I feel like we're going backwards on this again. Um, all good discussion points, probably not for this venue. You know, um, we we got the rest of the day if we need it, but um, we're two hours into this, and um, I think we need to try to focus in on the board. Needs to try to focus in on at least getting to the point where there's a motion to, to, to have a vote or if there's any other really relevant questions regarding what is proposed, not what might be, that's, that's probably where we need to go at this point. Um, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit when I got this um, several months ago, this is not a, this is not an easy thing to decipher from all the practicality points of it when you see the door and location, but from a code perspective, we think we are on solid ground. Yeah, um, uh, yeah Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Um, so does, does, the go, does, does the board feel they have enough information? My question to the board would be, would, does the board feel they have enough information to vote on our denial of the code modification request. Does it need more information, need some points clarified? Uh, or because you know, code officials and architects can have disputes and they often do, it's not uncommon. They can get really deep into code language and interpretations and all of that stuff. And it can just drag on for hours. Electricians are worse, but. Um, <laughs> um, so does the board have the information to the vote yay or nay, or make, a, or do we want to carry on, does the board want to carry on the discussion? Does the board want more information? Um, or do you want to vote on a modification with the information you have? I think that's where we need to go, but I'm not the chairman, or I'm just. Uh, Eric J. Chair, I, I think we have enough information. I'm curious if uh, there's any of the people on Zoom that have any more comments or questions. No, I think we have enough. This is Warren White. Um, this is a very intense situation. I think there is um, a lot of information in this and there's a lot of different viewpoints on this. Um, I, I, think we're, I think I'm ready for a vote. This is board member Sean Reardon. I would agree with Warren. I think we can come to a vote and I don't know if there's a way for the motion to sort of um, finality on this particular one and then um, give an option for the architect to submit another option if he so chooses. Brian, human city staff. Uh, Sean, um, I think if whatever your decision is and it would result hypothetically if it's a denial, then um, that would be put upon the applicant to come back to us um, with either what was approved 
initially after uh, uh, plan review comments come out or something different. Uh, well, I think that's, I think Paul would agree with me. That's probably um, just uh, understood um, pr procedural step that he would he would then proceed with. I don't know if we have to, I don't know if the board necessarily has to put some type of language in there to state that is what I'm trying to say. I think that's implied. Does anyone disagree with me on that? Agreed. More in light, just as uh, I mean, a lot of us are new on this board. What are the steps to go ahead and proceed with a vote? The uh, Brian Jimenez City staff, I think the chair would ask anyone, uh, yeah, other board members, if anyone has a motion to, to take a vote on it, um, then that person would state, I, I, you know, here's what I, here's what I propose, um, whatever language they so, so choose, and then there would need to be a second to, to solidify that. And then um, we would take, we would take a vote uh, just like we did for the vice chair, the chair and the vice chair election earlier this meeting. Yeah, Brian, I think the, the motion would be to approve the denial. Uh, you get a vote. Uh, and if it's a, it's a, if it's a majority, then the denial is approved. The, the vote, <clears throat> vote could be to approve the modification. I mean, disapprove the denial. Um, and then there will be a vote. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe that vote happens the same way. I don't know. But it needs to be a motion to approve the denial or a motion to disapprove the denial. And Brian, MSA staff, I think it's important to know. I think we have eight, um, how many people voting? Eight. Eight. So it, it would need to carry five, three for either approval or denial. Is there only seven? I had eight voting earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost somebody. <laughs> there is eight. Okay. Okay. So anybody, any any board member can make, can make that motion. Yeah. So any, right, any board member can make a motion. I mean, it, it sounds like you. Um, looks like you guys are ready to to make a vote. So now it's up to someone to make the motion whether to approve or deny the request of the applicant. Appellant or the code, yeah, the appeal, their appeal, the yeah. yeah, yeah. Warren White, I'd like to make a motion to deny the appeal in favor of the city is following the proper code. Um, if I can state my reasons why, or if that's necessary. Um, having been in fire services myself before, you see a lot of things that happen in very bad times. I think we've all been in situations where um, I, I think the intent of the, the, the fast egress was perfect when there's no load up there. I think when you have a rooftop full of people, tap, you know, having a, a liquid refreshment, tables, whatever they may be, that's going to make it a harder way to get out of that rooftop. 
I think that creates obstacles. Um, I, I would be open to some other ideas that they might present, but I, I would have a hard time approving this particular form of egress. Eric J. Chair, I'll second. So a motion is, is made by board member White, seconded by Chair Jay. Now we will take a vote. What is the motion? Uh, the motion is to deny the, the request as submitted to. <laughs> member White, can you just articulate that again, what, what your motion is, so everyone knows one more time? I am denying the request for an alternate path I'm sticking with, I do believe the city um, is following the code in the proper method. Okay, so motion by board member White, seconded by Chair Jay. We will now take a vote to deny the alternative path of egress that has been submitted by Paul Warner Architects. Member Balot. I'm gonna vote nay on this. And my, I wanna add the additional comment. I support staff. I think they have interpreted the code exactly as it should be. I think there have been alternatives that have been offered that make it a safer and uh, equal route and uh, in no way am I voting against staff. I just want to make that clear, okay? But it's a nay vote. Thank you, Alan. Member Blanchard? Yay. Can you, can you say that one more time? I'm voting yes. Okay, thank you. Member Brunin? Yes. Member Jay? Yes. Member Reardon? Yes. Member Scott? Yes. Member White? Yes. That's only seven. There was eight. One, two, three, four, five. There was only seven. One. Oh, uh, Kevin. 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 Kevin dropped down. Yeah. So the motion. Uh, to deny passes on a vote of six to one. To deny the variance request, or the, not the variance request, excuse me, the alternative path of egress request submitted to the board. That concludes that agenda item. Now um, open it up for any public comment from someone that is not um, part of the board or the city staff. No public comment. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, yeah so, so that will conclude today's meeting. I appreciate everyone um, spending uh, a significant part of their day with us after KU won the national championship. I'm sure some of us didn't get much sleep last night, so I do appreciate it sincerely. Um, as we move forward, we'll probably have another board meeting sometime this year, maybe, maybe not. Um, Chair Jay, you'll take the lead on the future meetings. And of course, we'll be here to assist you in any way possible. 
as we move forward. This. Um, that's all the comments I have. Um, a motion to adjourn. We do need a motion to adjourn and a second to approve. I'll make a motion to adjourn. White, Warren White. I'll, I'll second. Sean Reardon. Okay. Motion made by Board Member White, seconded by Sean Reardon to adjourn. Uh, this meeting is, is concluded. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, do we need to take a vote? Anybody, anybody don't want to end it? Yeah. <laughs> is there anyone that doesn't want to adjourn? <laughs> I don't know if we have to vote on. Yeah, I don't think we need a oh, vote. Okay. okay, we'll see everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.